0: Today's guest is Dr. Larry Malerba. Now, I came upon him in a very synchronistic way. I was Googling something, I can't even remember what, and his YouTube channel came up. So I watched one of his YouTube videos, and I loved it, and I watched another and another, and then I was like, right, I have to get this guy on my podcast. His YouTube channel is All Things Homeopathy, and it's wonderful for newbies as well as practitioners. Uh, Larry is an American physician who has practiced classical homeopathy for 35 years in upstate New York. He's also board certified in homeotherapeutics and he's a past president of the Homeopathic Medical Society of the State of New York. He is also the author of three books, Dynamic Medicine, The World According to Homeopathy, also Green Medicine, Challenging the Assumptions of Conventional Healthcare, and Metaphysics and Medicine, Restoring Freedom of Thought to the Art and Science of Healing. Dr. Malurva has a special interest in educating the public about homeopathy and about the role that science plays in modern societies. These interests are reflected in his most recent project, which is his YouTube channel, All Things Homeopathy. Please make sure you go check it out, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout podcast, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now, your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we get to hang with homeopath, osteopath, author, YouTube legend, <laughs> Dr. Larry Maloba. Welcome, Larry.
1: Hi, Eugenie. Thanks for having me. appreciate you inviting me on.
0: It's a pleasure. Now, I used to go to school many years ago with a girl whose surname was Malarba, which is very similar. So I happen to know that it means, well, Mal means bad and Harba means herbs. So it means weeds. And (laughs) of course, I love the synchronicity of that because weeds are actually a superfood and we have many homeopathic remedies made from weeds. And you are the author of a book called Green Medicine. So (laughs) tell us a little bit about that and tell us about what you mean by green medicine.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I, even myself, I didn't know about the meaning of my name until I was in college and I, a philosophy professor singled me out in class and told me the meaning of my name. <laughs> <laughs> he said it was bad weed, you know? So
0: yeah. I did a bit so of Latin I, at school. So I love the, the origin of words.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I originally wrote, green medicine kind of in a flurry of, I had been thinking and thinking for a long time about writing a book and I was going droning on like I can one day to my friend. And my friend just stopped me in the middle and he said, why don't you just write a darn book? And so within days after he said that, it kind of knocked sense into me. And I sat down and I started writing green medicine. And Green medicine, to me, is an overall overarching view of holistic medicine and its perspective and comparing it to conventional medicine in some ways. And originally, I wrote it, too, as a sort of stealth homeopathy book. So, in other words, it it intentionally included many homeopathic concepts without naming them as homeopathic concepts. I was trying to expose the general public to homeopathic thinking without having that word prejudice them against homeopathy, you know. So that was kind of the original concept. And I was really happy with the way it came out. And North Atlantic Books picked it up, and and that got my writing career going for me.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm, Amazing. And um, your other book, Metaphysics and Medicine, can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. That's a little heavier book. Metaphysics and Medicine is heavy with philosophy of science, and it is a strong comparison and critique of conventional medical science against, again, holistic and homeopathic philosophy and thinking, but from the perspective of philosophy of science. And it was a slog to write it and it's a kind of a slog to read it, but I think people who are into uh, philosophy and philosophy of science would find it uh, very illuminating in terms of uh, its perspective and critique on conventional medicine.
0: Now, speaking of conventional medicine, which is obviously very different to homeopathy, you have an idea that if we can actually understand the differences between the two, they can actually help us to understand homeopathy more clearly. Now, obviously, this podcast is for the general public. We have loads of homeopaths that listen to it as well. But I'm wondering if you can maybe tell the general public, Larry, you know, the difference between homeopathy and conventional medicine, and hopefully that can help them understand homeopathy a bit better.
1: Sure. There are a lot of differences, but some very fundamental differences. It's like what it boils down to is a difference of worldview, right? Conventional medicine has a certain type of worldview and all these beliefs and assumptions about the way things are, about the nature of life, about the nature of uh, human health, about nature of illness. And homeopathy has its perspective, which is very different. And those perspectives inform the way these different types of medicines are practiced. So, for example, conventional medicine is, is essentially informed by scientific materialism. And science, conventional science, holds the view that all that exists or all that is important that exists is material existence. It ignores everything else. It ignores the human psyche. It ignores the mind. It ignores consciousness. It ignores uh, subjective experience. All those things that we know as that's how we live and that's our everyday life. while conventional medicine is busy focusing on only these things that it can see, feel, touch, and measure, and anything that it can't measure with its instruments, it acts like it doesn't exist. Now, certainly you could see how that's going to be a big problem when even the average person on the street understands the concept of psychosomatic medicine or psychosomatics, right? that mind and body are connected and how our mental states, our emotional states can affect our physical health. And yet we have a dominant system of medicine that basically ignores that. And that has very far reaching implications. Now compare that to homeopathy, which is all about mind body connections. It's constantly uh, cataloging and observing all of these different connections between emotional states and physical symptoms and how it affects people's health, right? We, you, you know, I know how a remedy like natrum mirror can be prescribed when you find out that someone is grieving and around the same time that they started grieving, they developed migraine headaches, right? Mm. And you know, that you and I both know that, um, someone may have experienced a a break in a relationship and and felt extreme jealousy and shortly thereafter developed high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And we know that, you know, the remedy lachesis might be indicated in such cases because we understand these connections between mind and body, these connections that conventional medicine ignores because it doesn't know what to do with them. It, It has no way to make sense out of them because it doesn't have a broad enough framework, a broad enough perspective within which to understand these things, right? Mm. And so another difference between the two worldviews is that conventional medicine is reductionistic, right? It's always breaking the human body down into its components in order to find the apparent secret somewhere inside the body that's going to reveal the solution to how we're going to solve some problem. Mm. And while that may be partially true, it almost always fails because it's reductive. It's only looking at a part and failing to see the big picture. And that's what homeopathy is great at. To me, homeopathy is by far the greatest holistic therapy Uh, Of all, because it's looking at the big picture and it sees that, gee, someone's craving for spicy foods and their irritable nature and their argumentative behavior and their itchy rash on their back could somehow all be connected. Only homeopaths know that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so holistic, and that we can give the remedy sulfur to a person like that. And if it fits and it works, that person's going to return to your office and they're going to say, gee, I haven't been so argumentative lately, <laughs> and that itch is gone. Or well, what they will probably good.
0: say is that my wife is not arguing with me so much because they think everyone else around them is much nicer, but actually it's them that's changed. Hey.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of patients do that. And when they change when changes occur, they attribute it to other things, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a comp that's a big one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, and usually it's just their energy has changed, so they're nicer to be around. So people are nicer in response, hey.
1: Right. Right. So there are, you know, many differences between the worldviews of conventional medicine and homeopathy. Another one is this whole kind of overemphasis on objectivity. Conventional medicine makes a fetish out of objectivity. And what does that mean? Well, that means we're going to ignore the subjective. Well, what's the subjective? Well, the subjective is my feelings my experience my very experience of what it is to be human and how i had this particular experience and then i started to get these symptoms and then i felt sick And I want to tell this story to my doctor. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me check your blood pressure Mm. and let me get some blood tests. And we're going to focus on the objective. And we're not going to care too much about the subjective because we don't know what to do with your subjective experience once again. So you see how these worldviews have heavy implications for the way these different kinds of medicines are practiced. Another difference is this desire for uniformity in conventional medicine. You know, I'm in the middle of reading Rockefeller Medicine Men, which is really phenomenal. It's it's all about how capitalist medicine began in the United States mm-hmm. and how the, the industrial revolution was in full swing And physicians were still relatively unappreciated people who didn't have much social status. And physicians started to realize that, well, maybe we can get in on this revolution and we can kind of start to mimic some of the ways of industrialism and the way its successes have occurred. So we're going to focus on uniformity and conformity and efficiency and productivity, Mm -hmm. Well, how do you do that? How does conventional medicine do that? Well, it looks at ways in which to group patients and to streamline the process where we're going to find similarities among patients and we're going to ignore the differences. So we use this assembly line mentality of the industrial revolution to enforce homogeneity upon our medical practice and the way we approach patients. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these three people have the same diagnosis and therefore they're going to get the same treatment. You know, that's that, you know, what I call cookie cutter medicine and homeopathy is the dead opposite of that. Homeopathy, as you know, takes all three of those patients with bronchitis and doesn't bother as much with what they have in common. It wants to know what makes each case unique. And when we find out the unique features of each person's struggle with so-called bronchitis, then we find the key to treatment, right? This difference between conformity and diversity or conformity and individualization, right? Individualization of treatment. So there are many differences. Uh, Maybe the biggest of all, of course, is this just idea that conventional medicine looks at a symptom and it sees an enemy, something that has Mm. to be squashed immediately, right? So it wages war, against symptoms the war against disease it views the human body and the symptoms it generates as undesirable things that must be stopped and so it has its most treatments of conventional medicine are suppressive they're designed to stop symptoms in their tracks they're not designed to cure because cure is a much bigger much more complex concept than simply stopping a symptom in its tracks. Because once again, the average person on the street understands this phenomenon of medical whack-a-mole, where we give a drug for a symptom and that symptom gets better, but then up pops another symptom. And then we get a drug for that symptom and that symptom gets better. And then up pops another symptom and it goes on and on forever essentially over the course of years in a person's life so that nothing was ever really cured as much as suppressed or squelched or prevented from happening and when a symptom is suppressed it has a tendency to recur in a simply in a different form somewhere else in the body. And then, of course, homeopathy understands that. And that's why homeopathy is so different. It realizes that a symptom, first of all, is not the enemy. A symptom is the body's best effort to heal itself. And so you don't want to wage war on something that is a manifestation of self healing. You don't want to suppress that. You want to figure out how can we help the body or the the mind body to to be successful in its efforts to heal itself and that's what homeopathy is all about we're going to find ways a way in which to mimic the body's efforts Hmm. to assist it in healing itself How do we do that? We seek a substance from nature, whether it's animal or mineral or plant, a substance from nature that is capable of causing symptoms similar to the symptoms that the patient has. And strangely and paradoxically, if we successfully prescribe the correct thing, it does assist the body in healing itself and the body will overcome the problem without having suppressed the symptoms. So homeopathy can avoid that vicious cycle of symptom suppression.
0: Mm, and I mean if you just look at the names of the types of pharmaceutical medication anti-diuretic, antibiotic, anti-psychotic, antidepressant, anti-hypertensive, you know, <laughs> it's always right, an- anti-something. Anti. Yeah. And so that shows you kind of the psychology behind it. It's anti-that thing, not Let's look at the whole picture. (laughs) So, there's really quite a clue there. And I really love that analogy. I heard it or read it somewhere once, and that always sticks in my mind. And I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. But basically, if you use the analogy of driving your car, when your petrol light comes on, it's telling you that you need to put more petrol in the car. But what mainstream medicine does is it goes, oh, you've got a symptom there. You know, your petrol light's on. Let me cut this fuel line for you. Then you won't have that symptom anymore. But eventually your car's going to run out of petrol. And so that's in homeopathy. we fill your tank.
1: <laughs> or you could smash the light on the dashboard where the symbol, the petrol oh, symbol is. Just absolutely. Smash it, right? That might be easier.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anti-petrol light medication.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: No, Exactly. And you just very quickly touched there when you were speaking about your book uh, that you were reading about the government and political and money side behind modern medicine. Do you want to touch yes. a little bit more on that as well?
1: Sure. I mean, it it should have become apparent to the world by now, <laughs> yeah. given what's happening, the way we're all being told what kind of medicine we can Do Mm. and what kind of treatments we can take, and what kind of treatments we can't take, and what kind of opinions we're allowed to have about those things, right? So, you got to say, what is going on? And I think a lot of us in homeopathy, we've known this for for many, many years. We've seen this going on. And now we've kind of just reached the apex of this crisis. And most people are just coming to awareness of how powerful pharma is. And, you know, it makes me, I think of it as the way different countries now fight each other with disinformation and with cyber warfare and with the psyops methods of confusing people. So people are confused and they're blaming the other political party and they're blaming government officials and so on. When really... At the bottom of it is money and power and pharma and biotech and the insurance industry, at least in the United States, you know, it's different Mm. in the United States because we have a capitalist system of medicine, a for profit system of medicine which is a horrible, disastrous combination. You don't have a medical system based on profit mm. where corporations, their interests come first before patients do. And patients are seen as opportunities to make profit. Mm. It really is scary. And it's scary the way people fall for the bait And they blame all the wrong things and they don't understand what's happening Mm -hmm. and they fall for, you know, the campaign fear, that is scaring everybody into making really bad decisions instead of seeing that you're being played and your rights to choice are being taken away from you and it's all being done in the name of well if we can give everybody the same treatment the same vaccination and nobody can say no and the government has granted us freedom of all liability oh my god that's like the ultimate business plan to greedily make as much money as you can mm-hmm. and that's what's going on really it's, you know it's and all of our government has officials are bought off. They're paid on all sides of the aisle. Everybody is bought off and the media is bought off. So if you really want to get good information, you have to go digging. You can't look at the mainstream media. It's no longer sufficient to say, well, I'm going to look at the conservative news channel. No, I'm going to look at the liberal news channel because they're both basically have the same fundamental position at bottom and they're both being controlled by huge corporations and large amounts of money. Mm -hmm. So the opinions are very, very limited and the information is very limited and we have to go digging to places like your podcast to find mm. out good information right mm.
0: or your we youtube a, channel which we'll or talk my about shortly YouTube <laughs> channel. All
1: right we got that yeah. people are starting to do that so it's it's yeah. good in that sense mm. i think it's good it had to come to this crisis point if it was ever going to change so in that sense It's good. And people have to have to rally and they have to realize what they're fighting against and what the problem is. And, you know, in some cases, I see it's working in other places. It's pitting different groups against Mm. each other. So we've got to avoid that kind of thing where, where we're all fighting against each other and realize that Everybody should have a choice and everybody should be able to have an opinion and everybody should be able to choose the medical therapy of their choice. And it's not about which therapy is better. It's not about which therapy works better because when I make a choice, if I make a personal choice, I do that taking full responsibility, knowing full well that, well, it may work out for me and it may not work out for me, right? but I take that responsibility. And at the same time, if we had a a medical system that was open minded enough, then I could make a certain choice. And if it didn't work out well, I could go to the medical system and say, okay, I need your help now, instead of being punished for it, or being ostracized for it, Mm -hmm. or criticized or, or censored for having done something that goes against their rules. Which brings me to the thing I like to point out a lot of is that there's a whole world of skeptics out there, as, as you know, as all, us homeopaths <laughs> know. There's the skepticism movement. And these are like scientific fundamentalists. They are the equivalent of religious scientism. It's scientism. It's a belief in science as always right or superior to all other forms of belief or thinking or Mm -hmm. other academic fields. And Mm -hmm. so these skeptics wage a kind of underground war in the media and through various sources, like even Wikipedia, as you Mm -hmm. know, right? And they have all kinds of little tricks and, and games that they play in order to win the argument about their version of science as if as if there's a right version of science Mm -hmm. and a wrong version of science. And so that's where this word pseudoscience comes from. So to me, there is no such thing as pseudoscience. It's a made-up word designed to ostracize those who don't conform to conventional science or Mm -hmm. conventional medicine. Mm -hmm. So if you don't conform to our rules and what we think and the way we do things and the way we practice medicine, then you are pseudoscience. It sounds so horrible
0: even though their ideas change every five to 10 years, (laughs) their ideas keep changing, but, but if you're, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) exactly. But you have to, you know, believe in the current one and not question it until in five years time when we change all of that. (laughs) And then you have to believe in the new way of thinking.
1: Right, because a new study just came out last week and it contradicts yeah. the study from last month and it contradicts the study from mm-hmm. from three months ago and on and on and on, right? You're not allowed to question it,
0: anything until they come up with it first.
1: <laughs> right. So the way to shut you up mm-hmm. and make you unable to participate in the debate or to question is to say, Yeah, you're just it's just pseudoscience. So get mm-hmm. out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're not even science, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, they don't realize that our science is just as scientific. Homeopathic science is just as scientific. It just has different a different perspective, right? Like I was saying before, right? it has a, a holistic perspective. It's not strictly materialistic. It's not strictly reductionistic. It's holistic, and it believes in the value of human experience, and it understands how consciousness affects the human body and its health, and so on and so forth. All these aspects of human life and human health that the conventional medical scientific world excludes and ignores and makes pretend is not there because once again it doesn't know what to do with it because if it had to do with it it would have to change its worldview right mm-hmm. it's hard for them to open their minds up to these things because it would require a change of worldview, which is hard for anyone. It's very hard to do. So,
0: And interestingly, our homeopathic vo- worldview hasn't changed for 200
1: years. So we got it right the first time. Well, they can try to turn that on you and say, mm-hmm. well, science is supposed to evolve, right? Science is supposed to change. Except if you look at conventional medical science, it doesn't evolve. It just haphazardly bounces from here to there to there to there to there to there to there. And the homeopathic perspective is so sound that there has been very little need to adjust it. There have been some small changes in terms of the way we analyze cases and the way mm-hmm. we look at remedies, you know. But the same basic process prevails to over the over the course of two hundred years. We're going to look at the symptoms of the patient study the symptoms of the patient. We're going to study substances in nature. We're going to study symptoms that the substances in nature can cause. We're going to figure out ways to match the two up, the symptom profile of the substance and the symptom profile of the patient. And if we get it right and we bring them together, then we get this paradoxical improvement in health. And and that method has always been the same for mm-hmm. 200 years. You know, it just mm-hmm. evolves in terms of our homeopathic arsenal grows over time. There are new remedies. And new ways of looking at remedies, but uh, it's still fundamentally the same, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. It's very grounding and it makes you feel very secure. And it, and it, it, it accounts for so many aspects of human life and nature. And it, it accounts for all the anomalies in conventional science and medicine. There's a constant barrage of anomalies. Well, what about this? This isn't fit. That doesn't make sense. Well, it does make sense from a homeopathic perspective. Yeah. And that's what's so cool about homeopathy. It makes sense of everything.
0: <laughs> um, Larry, I quickly have to jump to the bit where you were talking about the, you know, just kind of the powers that be behind modern medicine. Now, we have a very scary thing happening in Australia at the moment, definitely here in Western Australia where I'm at, where obviously the vaccine passports have come out. And now where you are not vaccinated, you cannot accompany your young child to hospital and And just yesterday in our online mothers group, there was a mum whose child was admitted to hospital and she was not allowed to enter. She had to call Mm. her mother-in-law who was vaccinated to go and accompany the child. So anyone who is still in doubt that there are powers behind the medical science should be waking up and see this very crystal clear that if it's more important for them to have you injected with something to be able to accompany your child rather than you as a mother or father or caregiver, be able to accompany your child into hospital, then it's not about health care anymore. Then it's about power. So that's something that's very scary. Control. Crystal clear. It's all about control at the moment. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's terribly scary, mm. you know, and imagine being a little kid taken mm. into a situation like that and how how that affects your health. Again, Absolutely. if the idea is to keep you healthy and that's mm. what they are doing, that's a really strange way of, you know,
0: yeah, caring for you. someone
1: health, caring <laughs> for you. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, so interestingly, really I ha- terrible. It really is. Um, I had a lady in her seventies in the clinic just this week, and she was saying how when she had her tonsils out as a little kid, three, four years old, her parents uh, at those days, apparently you just dropped your kid off at hospital and left. And she was saying that even now that she's 70, she still has nightmares about it and still has trauma about that. So yeah, it's really scary stuff. Now, you are also on a bit of a mission to build a bit of a bridge between holistic healing, conventional medicine, and spirituality. How do we even begin to do that? And is that even possible in some ulterior universe?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's possible in our universe. The universe... (laughs) You and I live in. It happens on a daily basis. That was kind of the essence of writing green medicine. And even though I have all kinds of criticisms of conventional medicine, and rightly so, I also see a lot of good that it can do. It's a very valuable thing in many ways. You know, there there are a lot of positives. I mean, a conventional medicine is superior at dealing with emergency situations and life-threatening situations mm. where someone is hemorrhaging or someone has broken bones or has been mm. in a car accident or, or a burst tra- appendix. traumatized <laughs> or a burst appendix, right? Yeah. And those are really great to have. And of course, they're Diagnostic technology is superior and and is really great in many situations if you need to find out what's wrong or what's going on internally or see is that a tumor, is that a cyst, what is that? And, And so there are many valuable things to medicine, but its biggest weakness, of course, is in dealing with chronic illness. In fact, its treatments tend to increase the likelihood of you developing chronic illness. And that's where homeopathy should come in. Homeopathy is superior when it comes to treating illness. Right from the beginning, when a patient comes to see me and they want me to be their primary care doctor and I say, no, 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 you should keep your primary care doctor you know, think of me as your therapeutic doctor. I'm going to treat everything. But every once in a while, I'm going to say to you, you should go see a regular doctor and get get a workup and get a an x-ray and get a blood test and do that stuff. And that way, I hoped that it will build bridges between the two systems of medicine. I don't know. I don't really know if it's worked, but I think I've been practicing in the same area for 35 years in New York. And I think from the things I hear, that people on the other side have a good impression of what I do. And they don't view me as someone that they want want to stop or criticize or whatever, you know. And so, I teach my own patients the value of having your connection with the conventional medical world and and having your homeopathy and having mm. all kinds of other things too, you know, your nutrition and your exercise and your spiritual life and, and all these things that are important to being a whole person, a whole healthy person. Mm. And so I think it's possible to bring these things together, but it's like anything where it first has to come the crisis. And I think we're just at the beginning of the crisis. Unfortunately, it's going to be mm pretty bumpy and rocky, you know, around the world, this conventional medical crisis is occurring, people are waking up and saying, wait a minute, what's going on here? And it's going to take time for them to realize that there's other things out there like homeopathy and so on. But someday, maybe.
0: <laughs> no, I'm with you there. Now, you have an amazing YouTube channel. It's called All Things Homeopathy. And you've got some introduction to homeopathy lectures there for newbies and who want to learn the basics of homeopathy, you've got some philosophy and principles of homeopathy on there, some great materia medica, and I love your series of cases that you do. That is really valuable. And I like that you do them in sort of like 10 minute clips. So it's not too long, but you kind of just condense it all down. So you can get a bit of a taste of the types of questions you would ask, the repertorization, how you came upon that remedy. And I think for anyone who's new to homeopathy that really doesn't know anything about it, that's a really great channel to go and check out, especially if you're interested in the case taking process and how that looks like. And maybe some of our listeners who have been gone to homeopath themselves or a little bit more interested in homeopathy, want to see a little bit more about what happens behind the scenes. I think your channel is great. So do you want to tell us maybe about one or two cases that you've got on there just to tease people or tell them a bit more about what they can learn on your channel or maybe what inspired you to start it. Sure.
1: sure. I'll just throw it all out there
0: and you can decide what you want to answer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it it was a tremendous amount of effort to write a book. Mm -hmm. And in the end, a book has very little impact in today's world. I saw the world changing and I have three adult Sons, all of whom are software developers. And they're brilliant software developers. They're really successful. And they help me out and give me all kinds of tips all the time. And I realized I better get in on this digital revolution, you know? And I realized it's just a lot easier to reach people through videos and through podcasts and so Mm -hmm. on. And so I decided to, you know, start making videos for YouTube. When I was in high school, I took a filmmaking class. And my teacher wanted to enter my film, my final project, into a contest. And then after that, I had an appointment to see my guidance counselor. And my guidance counselor said, well, what do you want to do when you grow up, you know? And I said, I hesitated and I thought, and I said, I think I want to be a filmmaker. Aww. <laughs> so... So, I think I finally come around to being a filmmaker.. Yeah. You just uh, had
0: some great work to do first. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. But to make it this YouTube channel, All things Homeopathy, as accessible as possible to a broad range of people. And I tried to speak in a way that everyone can understand these concepts mm. and can get a grasp it. So, if you go to go to the channel and just start with video number one and work your way through it, you'll be able to learn a lot about homeopathy in a matter of no time. And then I graduate into teaching about, in different videos, about taking a case and treating a case and the results. So here's this patient and this patient complained of these symptoms. And for this reason and this reason and that reason, I chose this remedy. And when they returned, here's what they said. And then when we returned a month later, here's what happened. And their problem got better. So I have lots of ideas up my sleeve yet, but I've got a video up there about treating Lyme disease, treating a head injury, treating a bad reaction to an antibiotic Mm. That left a person unable to think straight and Mm. uh, with foggy brain and on and on. I have a variety of cases and it it shows you the broad range of things that can be treated with homeopathy. That's the other thing people don't realize. We talk about this. And that's
0: why I do this podcast, Larry. Literally the reason why people do not understand the variety of things that we can help with. Sorry, keep going. You
1: just got me a bit excited there. Yeah, yeah, no. People tend to think, oh, yeah, you're doing nutrition and herbal medicine. I understand. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Or essential oils. (laughs) Right. They don't realize we can literally treat, successfully treat behavior problems and emotional patterns that are deeply ingrained that someone could go to therapy for five years and come out of therapy after five years and still be struggling with the same ingrained mental, emotional, behavioral pattern. And if we can find that right homeopathic remedy, that thing can change overnight. It can disappear mm. like that. It's like someone comes into your office and you have an interview and you talk to them and you learn and they tell you that, well, I have this deep down feeling that there's something wrong with me and I don't want the world to know about it. And mm. I keep it hidden and there's something, just something wrong with me, you know? And I, I think about it, and I ask a few more questions, and I decide on let's try this remedy through you for them. And they come back in a month, and I say, and I say, so how you doing? And they go, pretty good. My finger still hurts, and um, and I'm still a little bit constipated. And 15 minutes goes by, and I say, well, whatever happened to the that feeling that you feel like there's something wrong with you, you know? And they go, oh. I forgot all about that. Yeah,
0: ex- every homeopath has that story. Hey,
1: <laughs> right. So you can change. Oh, these I love things. it. We're so used to hearing that. Well, you know, the little boy in school pulls Susie's hair and steals the toys from the other kids, and he and he won't listen to the teacher. And then, well, the parents go, well, you know, boys will be boys. That's that's just the way boys are. And us homeopaths look at that and go, there's something wrong there. That, that little fella shouldn't be doing that stuff. It's off and we can find a remedy. And if we do find that right remedy, everyone will start to notice. The parents, the mm-hmm. teachers, they'll say, gee, Junior was a lot calmer in school. He actually was nice to Susie the other day instead of pulling her hair. And we can change these things. And when you change those things deep down at that level, then it filters out to the physical level. Mm-hmm. So not only does it change behavior, but it leads to better physical health because mm-hmm. oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, At the bottom of many physical problems are psychological or emotional problems that are unresolved. Mm. So that's the power and the depth and breadth of homeopathy. And the world needs to wake up to that instead of just knee-jerk reflexively saying, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just a quack.
0: (laughs) Well, I always say it's been good enough for the British royal family for 200 years. So, you know, they obviously know Mm -hmm. something (laughs) that the rest of the public still needs to catch up on. Now, Larry, how do you see the future of homeopathy?
1: It's a good question. When homeopathy exploded into the world through Samuel Hahnemann and then spreading across europe and into the united states and into india that was like the first revolution that developed homeopathy uh, in its infancy Mm. and then it started to almost fade away at least in the united states largely due to pharma and corporate Mm. medicine trying to suppress it and then it made a comeback in the united states and it's made a comeback across the world now And now we're in a whole new evolutionary phase where we have a lot of really interesting ideas coming on the scene, again, about remedies, about Materia Medica, about analyzing cases, about finding remedies for cases. But we also have a big contingent of people who stumble upon homeopathy and try to apply their allopathic mentality to homeopathy and start using remedies like their drugs and, and saying, yeah, you're going to take this remedy every day for the next three months and take, take this remedy too every other day for the next month and this kind of thing. And it's so there's this wild, wild west of homeopathy out there. And there's a lot of different perspectives. And the the challenge is to keep people from getting bad ideas in their heads about homeopathy and the wrong way to do it versus the right way to do it. you know. And there's a middle ground between there's a right way to do it and still be open-minded to new developments. And mm-hmm. then you've got, of course, the kind of the fundamentalists in the homeopathic world are like, Noel well, Hahnemann didn't say that. Hahnemann said this. Mm-hmm. So we got to do exactly what Hahnemann said, as if nothing ever changes and nothing evolves, of course. Yeah. So, So the future of homeopathy is bright indeed i think and there are many great new ideas but we have to be careful about not allowing homeopathy to be allopathicized and letting allopathic allopathically minded people pollute homeopathy and turn it into something that it's not and and make it ineffective by applying the wrong strategies to remedies right Mm -hmm. and in doing so it's going to affect people's perception of homeopathy. They'll say, well, I went to this guy and I tried it and he gave me three different remedies to take and it didn't work. Well, that's because you had bad homeopathy. And so if you get someone who knows what they're doing, they're going to take their time. They're going to take a very in-depth, careful case, an exhaustive case. They're going to want to know everything about you. They're going to take their time thinking about it and analyzing it before they prescribe. They're not going to haphazardly change remedies left and right, except, of course, you, you might want to do that in a very urgent situation that requires it. But in most cases, you want to be very methodical and very careful about how you approach it. And that's the way to do it. And you can do that while at the same time being open to new and innovative ways Mm. of of understanding cases. So I think the future is bright, especially because you see the conventional medical world imploding upon itself Mm. now and Mm. and the populace is is revolting, saying, we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to submit to a medical system that thinks it can tell us what to do and enforce medicine upon us. And homeopathy, hopefully, will never do that. And it understands that Everybody's different and everybody's got the right to choose for themselves and there is no one size fits all.
0: So Larry, we'll pop your books and your website and your YouTube in the show notes, but is there anything else you want to tell the people listening to this podcast of how they can get hold of you or any other information that you want to share?
1: Sure. If you want to get a hold of me, you can go to my website, which is drmhomeopathy.com and... I really encourage people to go to the All Things Homeopathy YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. which also has a companion All Things Homeopathy Facebook page or Facebook group. And you can go to that group, join that group, and you'll always be aware of the latest videos coming out. And that's what I would just encourage people to learn homeopathy. And if you're going to seek homeopathic care, the important thing is to Make sure that your practitioner does what I previously was talking about. Mm -hmm. That they're gonna in general, they're gonna prescribe one remedy at a time. They're gonna take a lot of time to learn about you and understand your case. And they're gonna take time to, to make a decision about the remedy. And they're not going to be in a hurry to constantly change remedies. And when you have someone like that, you've probably got a good homeopath on your hands. That's the bottom line.
0: Now, I am going to steal your sign off. May the vital force be with you. (laughs) where did you steal
1: that from where did i say that no i
0: think it it was a youtube video or something i listened he said may the vital force be with you and i cracked up laughing that was (laughs) and you even did the v it was so funny so um well maybe
1: we should all do that right
0: maybe we should all do that i was just wondering
1: start a craze
0: yeah That's amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Larry. And I really encourage everyone to go check out Larry's YouTube channel. And there is some fabulous information out there. And I actually made myself a promise this year. I was going to not going to buy any more homeopathy books or courses because <laughs> I have got so many books that I haven't had a chance to read, but I am seriously going to go get green medicine and metaphysics and medicine and have a little read. Um,
1: also, my- well, there's uh, dynamic medicine, which is my introduction to homeopathy.
0: So oh, wonderful. Another one to add to Liz. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> well,
1: Excellent. thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to express my ideas.
0: Such a pleasure. Have a great day or evening your time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Take care now.
0: Bye.